0: important question today. And that question is this, where are you putting your hopes? What are you hoping for in this life? I believe that's such an important question because I believe that our hopes create the lens through which we see everything else in life. When we have our hope placed in the right place, we can see life clearly. We can experience reality as it is. We can see things as God intends us to see them, But when we put our hopes in the wrong things, we see everything else in a distorted way. As you can tell from looking at me, I wear glasses and I don't just wear glasses because they look cool, but I wear glasses because I need them. I don't need them to read a book or need them to work on my computer. But when I'm behind the wheel of a car, I certainly need them because I need glasses in order to see long distances. If I don't wear glasses while I'm driving, I can't read the street sign until it's already passing me. Um, In fact, my driver's license has a designation on it that says that I have to wear glasses in order to operate a motor vehicle. And the sad reality is, is that over time, my vision has deteriorated and I've had to get stronger and stronger prescriptions in order to continue to see clearly. But the wonderful thing is when I wear my glasses, I am able to see clearly. I'm able to see with 20-20 vision, I'm able to see, Perfectly, and uh, I believe that just like wearing those glasses is so important, when we put our hopes in the right place, when we put our hope in the right place, we're able to see life clearly. But the reality is, is that just as my vision has deteriorated over time, part of the human condition is that we tend to drift towards putting our hopes in the wrong things. We tend to put our hopes into things that disappoint, and what ends up happening then sometimes is when we put our hopes in things that disappoint, we can actually end up losing hope because we don't receive the things that we thought we were supposed to, and so we lose hope and we feel hopeless. We lose drive and we settle into resignation and stagnation in our lives. But I believe that God has something better for us. He wants us to see life clearly. He wants us to put our hope in the right place so that we can live the life that he intends us to live. Last week, we, as we were in this series called The Search for Happiness, and all of us are, we're on a search for happiness. Uh, we talked last week about, for, about a section of scripture that we found in 1 Peter. And in this section of scripture, Peter was writing to some Christians who were in exile. Uh, they were under the oppressive reign of the Roman government. Uh, Nero was was uh, was killing them and uh, taking advantage of them. It was a very difficult season. But during that season, uh, Peter was encouraging those Christians, and he would encourage us today, to put their hope in nothing else other than Jesus. You know, I think it's so amazing that Peter's encouragement to them was, was not for them to put their hope in the overthrow of Rome. He didn't say, you know what? Uh, after Nero's out of power, then things will be better. He didn't say once this blows over, then things are going to be better. He didn't say uh, once this election is, is done, then things are going to get better. Right? We live in a season right now where we're invited to put our hopes in many different things. We're in a season right now where people are inviting us to put our hopes in a politician or put our hopes in Uh, in in things getting back to normal, or put our hopes in all kinds of different things. And it's fine for us to desire things and to pray for things and to hope for things, but where are we ultimately putting our hope? Where are we anchoring our hope? You see, we're invited to put our hopes in all kinds of different places, but when we put our hopes in a place that disappoints, we can never live the life that we were intended to live, and so we are invited. A common refrain throughout scripture is a call, is a charge for us to put our hope in the right place. We saw that last week as we studied First Peter, and today we're gonna to study a section of scripture that we find in Ephesians chapter one. And now, Ephesians is written by the apostle Paul, and Paul is writing this epistle, he's writing this letter to a church in Ephesus. And the city of Ephesus had been under the rule of Greek leaders, but now it is under the rule of Roman leaders. It is the capital of a section of Rome that they call Asia. And Peter is writing to this church from no other place, but he's writing to them from prison. He is in a Roman prison in the city of Rome. He does not know what is gonna become, if he's going to get out of that prison. He doesn't know if he is gonna be uh, if he's going to be put to death, he doesn't know when he's going to see freedom again, but he is in prison in Rome. And that makes it all the, all the more remarkable, the words that he writes. He writes to this church and he is writing words of encouragement. He doesn't tell them, you know, things are going to be better when I get out of prison. Things are going to be better when I get a fair trial. Things are going to be better. No, he encourages them, just as Peter did, to put their hope and to put their trust in Jesus So Paul writing to this church in Ephesus, he writes what ends up being the longest sentence in the Bible. He writes 15 verses of encouragement. It's this really long run-on sentence. I know my English professor in college would not have been happy with this sentence. There's not periods. There's just comma after comma after comma. It just keeps on going. But it's so fitting because he's acknowledging, even though his circumstance is difficult, and even though he's writing to people in a difficult circumstance— There's so much encouragement to offer that he can't fit it just in one or two verses. It ends up going 15 verses long as he's explaining reason after reason why we can put our hope in Jesus. And in these 15 verses, he shares at least six reasons why we can put our hope in Jesus. Why we should put our hope in Jesus and not in other places. Because when we put our hope in the right place, we can see life clearly. And so as we jump into this, we see that he he says uh, right there at the very beginning, he's in verse three, he says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He's reminding us that all of us, all of us have spiritual blessings because of what Jesus has done. What are those spiritual blessings? What is the source of our happiness, What is the source of our hope? Well, we're gonna look at six things here today as we study this section of scripture. The first that we see right there is he, right off the bat, he says, we are chosen. In verse four, it says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world so that we would be holy and without blame before him in love. Think about this, God chose you before the foundation of the earth. God made you in his image, and Jesus gave his life for you. God chose you. He determined, he made up his mind that he was going to choose you. You are chosen by God to be a son or a daughter, right? So we can put our hope in Jesus because we are chosen. Right? I love something that the, the, this quote from uh, Julian of Norwich, who was a church leader in the 1300s. Uh, in fact, she's credited as being the first woman to write a book in English, uh, she lived in the 1300s in the United Kingdom. Uh, she wrote this book called The Revelation of Divine Love. And she says this, she says, God wishes to be seen. God wishes to be sought. God wishes to be expected. And God wishes to be trusted. What's she communicating there? was well, she's communicating the same thing that Paul's communicating. God desires to have a relationship with us. How incredible is that? The God who created everything that we see Everything that we know, the God that set all of this into motion, desires to have a relationship with us. He chooses to have a relationship with us. So we can have hope in Jesus because God chooses to have a relationship with us. But it doesn't stop there. He continues on. He says that we're not just chosen, but we're also adopted. We're adopted as sons and daughters. He says, uh, having predestined us to adoption as sons in Jesus Christ himself, according to his good pleasure and goodwill. No one twisted God's arm, but he desires to adopt us. Man, adoption's a big deal. I have some friends who were adopted as children. I have friends who have adopted children into their families, and it's a crazy process. It's a long process. If you know anybody who's gone through it, or if you yourself have gone through it, it, it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources in order to have a successful adoption. In fact, I was reading recently a statistic that said that less than 10% of families who desire to adopt actually successfully go through the process, less than 10%. It's a long and difficult process, but it's one that families go through because they want to bring a child into their family. I know a family that went through adoption and they, uh, one of them had to fly over and they had to live in the country they were adopting from for an entire month. They had to raise uh, thousands of dollars in order to complete this adoption. And then it was a difficult process for their family to walk through as they acclimated this child into their family. But you know what? It was worth it. They were so excited to, uh, to invite this little girl into their family. God went through a process to adopt us. It was not easy. It was quite difficult, as we remember uh, Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. God went through a process, a difficult process, to adopt us as children into his family. But he did that because he desires that relationship with us so that we can put our hope, we can put our trust in Him, in the same way, God the Father wasn't happy with just natural sons and daughters, so he sent his son to adopt us into his family. As Paul continues on in verse 6 there, uh, he, he is communicating the next reason why we can put our hope and our trust. And I want to read it in a couple different translations. In the New King James Version, uh, it says, uh, He has made us accepted in the Beloved. In the English Standard Version, it's translated to say, he has blessed us in the beloved. And in the New Century Version, they translate it this way. It says, he has freely given us glorious grace in the one he loves. Well, what's with these different translations? Well, they're trying to translate this Greek word, uh, 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 kirito, which means to, which is a verb that means to shower with favor. It means grace, charity, goodwill. It means to highly favor. And so the third reason that Paul is saying that we can trust God, that we can put our hope in Jesus, is that we are highly favored in him. God is biased in your direction because of Jesus. You see, I'm a son of God. You are a son or daughter of God. His eyes are on you because of Jesus. Last school year, my daughter, Charlotte, Uh, Her first grade class had a musical presentation that they had worked on and they put together and they invited all the families to come in and see it. And we all gathered around and we all had our phones out and we were all watching them and we clapped for every child as they did their thing. But you know what? You know where my focus, where my attention was? You know, if you look at the photos that I took that day, uh, there's there's one person that's at the center of all of them. My my daughter, Charlotte, is at the center of all those photos. She was the one who I was paying attention to. She's the one that I clapped the loudest for. I was excited for the other kids, but I was so excited for Charlotte. I was watching her not to see if she messed up, but I was watching her because I was proud of her. You know, and so often I think we can think of God as being like this referee or like this police officer who's looking for us to mess up or looking for ways that we've blown it. But no, 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 we are highly favored in him. We are are a child that he's watching over, looking for ways to cheer us on and to spur us on. God is biased in your direction. God wants you to succeed. God wants you to win. He's not looking for, for ways that you messed up. He's looking for how he can encourage you and move you forward into the life that he has for you. As we continue on in verse seven, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the richness of his grace, which was made to abound towards us. So in him, we have we are completely redeemed. The fourth reason that we can put our trust or our hope in Jesus is that we are completely redeemed. Redemption means that something that was owed is paid. And so the object or the person uh, is no longer bound. They are set free. I don't know if you have any debts right now, but uh, maybe you've got some credit card debt or a car payment or a mortgage, uh, uh, some student loans. Can you imagine uh, if you got a phone call today and somebody somebody told you that that had just been paid off? You don't You don't have any more student debt or, hey, I just paid off your mortgage. How would you feel? Oh, you'd feel like a weight was lifted off your shoulders. You would feel free. You would feel alive and Paul is reminding that church that no matter what they're facing, they can put their hope in Jesus because in him they are completely redeemed. Their sins have been forgiven. The slate has been washed clean. And he's reminding us the same thing today. We can put our hope in Jesus. He's wiped the slate clean. We have redemption in him. In Jesus, God was was purchasing complete freedom when he sent his son. My sin debt has been paid in full through the blood of Jesus. All the other things in life, money and intellect and degrees and family of origin and good behavior, these things don't purchase that kind of redemption. The blood of Jesus redeems us and it forgives us through his blood. In the same way, my sins are not in part forgiven, but they are completely forgiven in Jesus then Paul continues on in verse 11. He says, in him, we also have obtained an inheritance, right? He says, he, it, it go, he goes on in verse 18 and 19 of chapter one. and He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance. In Jesus, we have an inheritance. The fifth reason that we can trust that we can put our hope in him is because we have an inheritance in him. We are joint heirs with Christ. We, we just as Christ was a son of God and had an inheritance through that, we too receive an inheritance. See, all of us inherit things from our family of origin. We inherit inherit good things, and we inherit challenges, right? Some of our best qualities are things that we inherited through DNA or through upbringing from our family of origin. And also, as we look at our lives, often some of our biggest challenges are also things that we inherited from our families of origin. But the good news, something that we can place our hope in, is that in Jesus, we inherit all the blessings of God. We inherit a a, a heavenly inheritance, an eternal inheritance through him. Uh, When Christ died, he secured inheritance to all those who are in him. Uh, we, we are able to receive that inheritance no matter what our background looks like, no matter what our family of origin looks like, no matter what we've done, no matter what our life has looked like up until this point, God invites us to receive this inheritance through Jesus. Paul continues on in verse 13. He says, In him you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of of the purchased possession, to the praise of his glory. And in that, we find the sixth thing that Paul points out there. We can have hope in Jesus because we have the Spirit's guarantee. God has given us the deposit of the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as assurance of that future inheritance until he comes. You see, God working in our life, his work in our life through the Holy Spirit is a reminder that He that we have this inheritance in him. It's this deposit. It's this down payment. You know, a while back I went ice skating and I went up to the counter to rent my ice skates. And I told the teenager who was working there, my shoe size, and he came back with the ice skates. And before he handed them to me, he said, I'm going to need your driver's license. And I told him, I said, I can assure you I'm old enough to ice skate. Um, and, and he said, no, no, I'm going to actually hold on to your driver's license until you return these ice skates. Uh, we don't want people stealing the ice skates, and so we know that if we're holding on to your driver's license, you'll come back for that. Uh, and sure enough, when I was done skating, I brought the ice skates back, and he gave me my driver's license back. In a similar way, through Christ, God has given us a deposit through the Holy Spirit. It's a sign. It's a witness. It's an assurance of the, that our future is secure in him, that when he returns, we are sealed in him. We have security, we have backing, we have assurance. In Luke 14, uh, Luke records Jesus saying these words, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Right, there's so much in life that invites us uh, to let our hearts be troubled, right? When we get our hopes placed in the wrong things, when our hopes drift to the wrong things, our hearts can be troubled. But Jesus was reminding the people that he was talking to there Uh, to put their hope in the right place. He says, you believe in God, believe in me also. He says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and I prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So Jesus is reminding us there that we have an assurance in him of a future, of a hope, that is secure. So how do we enjoy these blessings? How do we enjoy uh, these spiritual blessings that Paul's talking about there? Well, he tells us in verse 13 and 14, he says, uh, and you also became God's people when you heard the true message. Right, when we hear this message, when we hear the message that there's good news, when we hear the message that we can put our hope in Jesus, he says this good news that brought you to salvation. You believed in Christ and God put his stamp of ownership on you by giving you the Holy Spirit that he promised. The Spirit is the guarantee that we shall receive what God has promised his people. So let us praise his glory. He's reminding us here that we can receive these blessings when we put our hope in Jesus. That's what I want to invite you to do today. You see, life is full of opportunities for us to put our hope in the wrong places. And when we put our hope in the wrong places, we see life through distorted lenses. So that's exactly what I want to invite you to do today. Maybe it's the first time you've ever done that, or maybe uh, maybe you're doing this afresh and anew. Uh, it's something that we do over and over again because, as I mentioned, our, we drift towards putting our hope in the wrong places. So today, as you look at your life and you say, where am I placing my hope? If you're finding that you're putting your hope in anything other than Jesus, I want to invite you to put your hope in him. Afresh and anew, put your hope in him. I love something that the late theologian J.I. Packer wrote. He he says this, he says, optimism hopes for the best without any guarantee of its arriving. and is often no more than a whistling in the dark, Christian hope, by contrast, is faith looking ahead to the fulfillment of the promises of God. Optimism is a wish without warrant, but Christian hope is a certainty guaranteed by God himself. Optimism reflects ignorance as whether good things will actually come, but Christian hope expresses knowledge that every day of this life, every moment beyond, The believer can say with truth on the basis of God's own commitment that the best is yet to come. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that the best is yet to come? You see, when we place our hope in the wrong places, it's easy for us to think that that sounds ridiculous. The best is yet to come because the circumstances around us sometimes do not indicate that the best is yet to come. But when we put our hope in Jesus, we can't help but say, The best is yet to come. So just as Dr. Packer was encouraging, I I would encourage us the same. Let's not put our hope in blind optimism. Let's not put our hope in good feeling. But let's put our hope in the rock-solid foundation that is Jesus. Just as Paul was encouraging those believers in Ephesus as they were facing a challenging time, I would encourage us, too, to put our hope and our confidence in Jesus let's pray father we thank you for the gift of Jesus Lord we thank you that in you we have a solid and a sure hope and Lord I thank you that as we uh, place our hope in Jesus that we can see all the rest of life through clear eyes that the blurriness of of the life around us uh, becomes clear as we put our hope in the right place and so Lord I pray that you would help each one of us do that today Lord, maybe we have never done that, or maybe we have done that, but we've drifted away from it. I pray today that you would help each one of us to put our hope, put our confidence, and put our dependence in you, because you are a hope that does not disappoint. We thank you for these things, and we pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen.